Welcome to See the World Differently. Come explore and discover the world around you. Hello, welcome to this episode of See the World Differently with Oceanscape Yachts. I'm your host, Rebecca Taylor, and welcome to the first podcast of 2022. We all hope your year's off to a great start. Uh, We thank you again for joining us, for being here um, every month with a new podcast episode and liking and following all of our content across social media and on the website. Um, It really means a lot to us, especially during these times where people are a little bit more grounded than they used to be. So... Um, we have a really special guest today. His name is Paul Cresswell. He's a captain uh, in the super yacht industry. He's got a couple decades of experience, uh, really impressive CV with like yachts he's worked with and, and places he's been able to visit around the world. Um, we actually got to connect with him while he was in Hawaii about to deliver a boat to Mexico. So it was nice to pin him down in the midst of all the travel and things that he's got going on. So uh, I really hope you enjoy this episode. He shares a little bit about what got him started in the industry and some of the most amazing experiences that he's had. So if you're looking for a little travel inspo at the moment, uh, this is a great episode to get that from. Uh, And he mentions his social channels and things where you can follow along. I really hope that you do so. We've all had enough of the um, you know, news accounts on Instagram, things like that. So we need a little bit more inspirational travel, I think, in all of our feeds. So uh, without further ado, this is Paul. And if you don't already, please hit subscribe uh, when you're listening. And we'd love to see you here every month. Thanks. Okay, good morning. Today, we're here with Paul Cresswell. He's a captain in the super yacht industry, an old friend of mine that we've um, spent a lot of time off the air catching up. <laughs> um, and it's really great to have you on the air with us. You actually did a print interview with us, I think, a while ago now. So it's great to reach back out, especially, you know, we've all been through a lot in the last two years with COVID. So it would be great if you could just give a little refresher to the listeners who maybe didn't read that article, like what brought you into the yachting industry and and where you are now Um in terms of yachting and, and career choice and, and what you're up to. Sure. Um, thanks, Rebecca, and thank you for having me on. Uh, it's really lovely to chat with you again. Always nice to catch up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I uh, I, uh, I grew up in England, cold, rainy England, and I, I was never really a big fan. But as a young kid, I had a godfather. He used to take me sailing at the weekends. It's one of the few things that I really enjoyed. And uh, he moved out to the Caribbean when I was about eight, and... Um, by the time I was a teenager, I knew that I wanted to follow. The moment I got to uh, to 16 years old, I was out of school and ran away to sea, and I'm <laughs> moving to the Virgin Islands. So yeah, and then, you know, I was taking Americans sailing around the BBIs for a week at a time as an older teenager into my early 20s, and eventually the, the boats got bigger. And um, by the time I was 31, I was captaining super yachts. Amazing. Yeah. I, having spent time, I mean, obviously we met when I was in the UK as well. Um, I could see you getting very sick of the rain and the cold, but I went the other way and I moved back to Canada and it's freezing. So I don't know. I, That's right. Yeah. It's very cold there right now, right? We're in, yeah. I'm actually, uh, I'm in Hawaii right now. I'm, I'm on a 50 meter Christiansen called Endless Summer. Um, just doing a relief period on here for two months and um, just getting her ready to steam eastward across the eastern half of the Pacific towards Cabo San Lucas in Mexico. So it's a very busy time on board, but um, I'm I'm glad that I've managed to carve out uh, half an hour to have a chat with you. Amazing, yeah. And there's, uh, we should also preface this that normally your home base is in Bali, so it's not really like you're escaping winter, but I also feel like you chose really good months to be <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sneaking I, away. I, I haven't done a car, I haven't done much cold weather sailing for a while, and. Um, yeah, I, I live in Bali with my partner, Dila, and um, 
Um, in the for the last two years, you know, at least during this during the pandemic, I've just been doing relief periods. Um, it's very difficult for me to spend time with my partner. And I mean, as you know, travel restrictions have meant that, you know, in the, in the first half of the pandemic, uh, uh, we got caught apart. Um, between between me and my 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 partner, and um, so then I understood, you know, the last year year and a half that the best thing to do was relief period, so that we make sure that um, that we're always in the same place after a month or two. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, and and for those listening, the relief period is basically you've come on board for a short period of time. You're not, you know, the regular captain there, so you can kind of pick and choose as well. I suppose it's like a freelance gig in some ways, right? Yeah, it's a freelance gig. Um, you find that. Um, on big boats, let's say 60 meters and above, in general or quite often the captains are in rotation, so they're doing two months on, two months off, for example. But um, but in the kind of 40 to 50 meter range and some 55 meters, the captain will work full time, um, especially on private yachts. Um, so he'll get, um, let's say he'll do um, five months on, one month off. So you know he's there for five months and then he gets a relief captain like me to come in for the month. And, uh, in, in, you know, relief captains are, I mean, pretty much across the board, very experienced captains that have spent a lot of time already working full time. So we're, you know, we're at this kind of skill level where in theory we should be able to step onto a boat and kind of get ourselves up to speed pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and um, the captain of this vessel's uh, kindly entrusted me with Endless Summer for two months. So I'll do my best while I'm here. Okay, amazing. And you've, as you mentioned, you've been a captain for a really long time, um, especially with the bigger boats, which has a whole different skill set. And I know you've shared some of them with me, but I would love our listeners to hear, you know, some of those incredible experiences that you've been able to have spending all this time at sea. I mean, I I would say, actually, you know, there's a lot of stories, but I'm seeing as I'm about to do my third Pacific crossing as captain, um, I would say that actually my first Pacific crossing. I was the mate. I was on Grand Finale, which is a 47 meter delta. We were doing a eastbound as well. And we so uh, I mean, that was just a terrific experience for me. We I started on that boat. It was again, it was a relief period, but it was just it was actually went for three months. So we started in Tahiti, where I got to ride um, scooters around Morea uh, with the crew like the first weekend that I was there, which was so much fun. And then we crossed to the Marquesas Islands, which is like right out there in the Pacific and just an amazing place where uh, they um, they collect black pearls. And I was actually with the crew one day um, at a beach bar and we were able to to buy black pearls right on the beach, which was an incredible experience. Yeah. And then from there and we uh, we slogged all our our way upwind to um, the Galapagos Islands. So that was a long trip, I think um, 13 days. We had to go quite slowly because the vessel's range was fairly limited, um, just as this one is for uh, crossing to Mexico. And finally, when we got to the Galapagos Islands, we were all really keen to get ashore. We we got into the tender and we took the tender into the dock, but actually on the dock, there was a a whole group of um, sea lions that were defending their territory. Okay. Yeah. It's did you take them on or did you <laughs> let them keep it? Let's get off the, the dinghy. It took about 15 minutes to find a place where we could safely get ashore. Oh, wow. I mean, that was a, you know, and then from uh, from the Galapagos Islands, we went to through the Panama Canal, 
which is a whole you know different experience and then finally ended up at the San Blas Islands on the Caribbean side um, and uh, I don't know if, if you have you ever been to the San Blas or you know anything about I haven't it? no but I've heard so many amazing things about it yeah but share please sure there well there are all these tiny little coral atolls and each atoll maybe has a has a few palm trees on it and each atoll is um, is lived on by a family so one family has one atoll you know and there's you know there are hundreds of these little islands there so a family lives there in a really traditional you know ancient way almost really in huts um, and the guy goes out spearfishing on the reef for fish you know they grow some bananas perhaps um, and then they just they dry the fish and the bananas over the fire um, you know and and live a you know a very you know extremely nomadic lifestyle no electricity of course nothing like that so um, and then on top of that San Blas has a really incredible history of um, producing artwork so when you go there they have these tapestries that they will sell to you and uh, and also some weaving and uh, so that's that's really just such a beautiful place to visit and culturally such an experience especially considering if you go there on a super yacht so you know on one side you've got a billionaire owner yeah. Uh, and then on the other side, you've got a family that row up in a dugout canoe to sell you pieces of tapestry that they've sewn by hand. So, you know, the the the, uh, the difference is uh, just stunning. The clash. Yeah. And amazing because I guess Big now they're used to it, I suppose. But initially it must have been a, a shock. And then it's like, oh, hang on. <laughs> There's this great way that we can sell our wares and, you know, keep that tradition going and and get you to enjoy it as well right it's it's something for everyone yeah. that's incredible yeah. okay that's another one i'm sure everyone will be adding to their bucket list All right. that just keeps growing in the pandemic i don't think anyone's been able to tick too many things off uh in recent years so yeah, yeah incredibly <laughs> cool. actually um i mean what's been fairly positive is that um in most part super yachts have been able to keep moving although the captains and uh, management company have been um, asked to jump through much more complicated complicated hoops than they did before, mm-hmm. uh, but but you know in general um, in general the, the boats have kept moving and I mean I would say that a really big difference in our industry in the last year and a half is the amount of time that owners have been spending on private yachts because you know that's just gone up massively. So if you own a big boat, you know two or three years ago, let's say you'd spend a month or two on it a year. Mm-hmm. Well, this year it's been you know. Those owners are spending as long as they can. They have been spending as long as they can on the boat just to stay away from, um, you know, potential health risks for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing to come out of travel anyway during this pandemic is we've even seen an uptick in inquiries and things like that because it literally is the social distance vacation. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how much further away you can get from people and groups and everything else than um on your own boat. So, um, you're, you're absolutely right. I'm sure. And I feel like in a way that's really great for them too. Cause I think so many owners, as we know, think they don't have the time or, you know, sure enough, they don't, you know, if they've been successful to be able to purchase such a big yacht, um, right. they're very busy and successful in their business lives. But at the same time, you know, Wi-Fi is better than ever and people are working from home. You might as well work from your second home, third home, whatever the boat is. Um, so yeah, yeah hopefully we'll see that. We're all working remotely and um and uh, billionaires businesses are no different. Yeah, exactly. Um and for you, 
I mean, those are some incredible experiences. But if you have time off or you're in between relief, you know, gigs, things like that, do you have a favorite corner of the globe that you like to either revisit or personal wish list items for you? I mean, I'm sure you've seen and done many of the <laughs> things on other people's, but is there any, you know, favorite corner of the globe that you can share with everyone? I mean, I'd say that my favorite place to promote in terms of cruising is the Grenadines, um, which is right in the Southern Caribbean in the Windward Islands. Um, uh, my godfather actually bought a little hotel in Grenada when I was a in my early 20s. And so I got to spend a lot of time there and I started sailing around the Grenadines. And, you know, there's that each island down there is different. You know, you've got um, St. Vincent in the north, which has got incredible jungle and waterfalls. And then there's a really like a bohemian hippie island down there called Beckway, which has a jazz festival and um, a really uh, interesting, um, interesting place to, to go out and listen to live music all year. Nice. And then um, further down in, in, the, in that area, you've got the T Tobago Keys, incredible drift dives. Once I was diving there and I saw a, a turtle that was the size of a double bed. Oh, my so, gosh. <laughs> Yeah, so you know, and for the Caribbean, that's that's as off the off the beaten path as you can get, and right. really traditional, lots of rasters. You know, you go go onto the beach in Cariacou, and there's there's a raster asleep on a in a hammock under a palm tree. You know, right. like just there hanging out. You know, yeah. So you know, that's a I I can't recommend it anyone highly enough to uh, to go and explore the Grenadines. It's a wonderful part of the world. I love that you mentioned that because um, at some point. Over the course of this podcast, we've had a few different actual locals that we've chatted with from, you know, Aruba or uh, just sort of all over the corners there. And the first thing they always say is like, there's more to the Caribbean than, yeah, Bahamas or Barbados or like all these places that get all the, you know, hoopla and coverage and everything else. So I've yeah. loved having, you know, someone from St. Martin on and, and sharing about their own experience there and what they bring their friends around to or guests when they're showing people around. And um, I love that you've mentioned yet another country that not many people chat about on the show maybe or, or go to. So it's something. I'm, I'm glad I came up with, with, with something original. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, you submitted some other ones and I crossed them all off and I said, can you talk about something different? <laughs> no, that's fantastic. And uh, I mean, I'm sure your list is endless, but uh, it's great because we obviously do a lot with around North and South America and Central America. So it's always great to have something with an easy access. And I think that's the big thing for people now too. Like what's quick that I'm not going to yeah. spend forever on a plane and then get somewhere and, and can be kind of off, not only off the beaten path, like you say, but such variety in such a small place, you know, it's not just a beach holiday, quote unquote, it's, you know, the jungle or the culture, whatever it is that you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that's um, not exactly lacking, but uh, maybe not as rich in the in the northern part of the Caribbean, St. Martin and the BVIs, places like that. Mm -hmm. I'd also, you know, in terms of um, accessibility, um, the Grenadines is pretty good because you can fly from London to Grenada and you can fly from Miami to Grenada. So, you know, whether you're coming from uh, the UK and Europe or um, or if you're coming from North America, it's pretty easy to get there. Mm -hmm. And then before you know it, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're in the Rasta country. Yeah. When was the, so you spent a lot of time there when you were younger. Have you been back recently or in between all the other places you've been taken off or? Sure. Um, yeah, I spent a lot of time there in my early twenties. 
Um, and um, but yeah, two years ago, I took 61 meter trimaran white rabbit um, mm -hmm. around the world. And I got the incredible um, honor of being able to take white rabbit to my family's to anchor in the bay where my godfather has his hotel. And cool. uh, yeah, and and take uh, the lady that I was working for um, and her guests in for dinner at the hotel on um, her birthday and my birthday, which we share. Oh, amazing. So, yeah, that was, that was, your birthday was not long ago, right? You're over the holidays or? End of November. End of November. That's it. Yes. I should know that. I'm November. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, that's cool. That's like a real hero's journey, like a full circle moment. Yeah, it really was a full circle moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, a, and a tremendous, um, that was the, the end of, uh, the end of the, um, Grenadines cruise with that boat. So the guests had been on for 14 days through all of those locations I was talking about earlier on and um, you know which is a great amount of time to really explore every island so and we finished the trip down there at, in Grenada at the hotel and uh, that was a yeah great culmination to to two weeks of fantastic cruising. Oh amazing and you along with the relief work that you're doing you also have a new venture that you've started with your partner Dila can you share a little about a bit about Rianne Rattan? Yeah sure um, I, about a year ago I think um um, oh, well, I've been living in Bali for two years now and, uh, you know, I love Indonesia and the culture there. It's it's fantastic. And um, Dila and I were thinking about starting a company um, to do some kind of supply for the into the super yacht industry. And, um, you know, in um, in Bali, you see plenty of um, rattan weaving around. And I and I I've noticed that, of course, we have plenty of rattan on the super yachts. Um, shoe baskets, tissue baskets, sometimes placemats, but normally those products are, you know, either um, uh, pretty shabby, not mm -hmm. exactly high quality, or, um, or even um, even sometimes they're made out of plastic. You know, they're like imitation rattan. Right. right. And yeah. I and I found that you know, with everything else being so high quality on these boats, we um, we we thought of the idea to revisit the tradition. And perhaps um, start to produce our own rattan products for the super industry that were, you know, of a much higher quality. So, um, so we sat down and we got together with um, Dealer's cousin Hannah Rianto, who's a designer, who did her um, masters in architecture in rattan. Luckily for me. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. How fortuitous was that? <laughs> yeah. and, um, so we started to think about producing our own rattan products. And, um, you know, we wanted to, first of all, we wanted to find a way to source our own rattan, you know, that was um, that was being like responsibly, you know, farmed. Right. And um, responsibly harvested. And um, and then we wanted to look at designs. So we were we were trying to firstly, we, we decided to um, buy rattan that was a much higher quality than people would normally use. So more expensive, of course. And then, um, but then to take the time to um, to work on designs that um, also that the weavers um, could contribute to. So basically, those products are woven in Lombok, which is an island next to Bali, and that's and they've had a long tradition of weaving. I mean, hundreds of years there, but in recent times, um, the 
the rattan that's being sold overseas is being sold in bulk. So, you know, all of those little villages in Lombok that are producing those items are being um, asked to produce them, you know, out of poor quality rattan and they're asked being asked to produce really high volumes. Mm. So, you know, there's not a lot of um, love and care going into those items when you're having to throw them out at that rate. Right. So we right. decided to kind of really re look at that from a new angle, you know, and bring involve the weavers in the designs and really kind of really get them involved um, about so that they would care about the products that they were producing. So we started to pay them a lot more per item and um, but also um, ask for a far higher quality. So quality control is very high for our company. And then, yes, yeah, so we wanted to look at finding ways to protect the rattan that was um, chemical free. So ecologically friendly um, uh, coatings. And we managed to, over a period of six months, um, R&D in, you could you call it R&D, but it's, you know, it's taking place in, in uh, little villages in right. the mountains. Lombok, but we we eventually worked on a process to protect the um, protect the rattan, and um, Hannah started to produce a range that we expanded. Um, eventually, um, until we've got um, we have over two hundred items in our range now. Amazing. Um, yeah, and the and the um, you know we're able to really give back to the community as well um, through through um, having them produce a far higher quality product and uh, so um, you know they're, they're really um, they're really teaching themselves and each other to to um, to produce these uniquely high quality items and um, and we look forward to to selling them into the super yacht industry and anyone else in the world who wants them really it's amazing yeah when you first reached out and told me about it I loved especially I think you know, this pandemic, I think we've all gone the route of, okay, we need stuff fast and quick and accessible and easy. And you've just seen stuff go like totally downhill. And when you first told me about it, I was like, okay, I love a, like it's local artisans, B the sustainability that you're coming with it. Like it's, it's not mass produced. It's kind of, I think what eventually once this is all behind us, people are going to be desperate to have again um, after having all of that mass production and just realizing, you know, it doesn't last or it looks really cheap. And yeah, in, in, in any industry, whether it's a luxury hotel or, or a super yacht, um, those things really do stand out. Like, like you said, you know, it was kind of shabby or it's fake plastic. And it's like when it's sitting next to these multi-million dollar items, uh, you know, it, it's going to stick out a little bit, no matter how good you fake it. So um <laughs> Yeah. Well, hopefully, um, hopefully, uh, you know, over time, um, more yachts will be interested in having Rihanna Rattan on board and we'll be able to establish ourselves in the in the super yacht market. Amazing. Yeah. So definitely keep us posted on that. And I know you have a few different uh, like your website for there and your social channels. If you want to let us know where to find you, people are definitely going to want to be following your adventures now, I'm sure. Uh, let us know where we can find you online. Okay. Uh, well, firstly, Riani Rattan. So um, Riani Rattan has a, uh, a website, um, rianirattan.com. Um, we're also on Instagram, Riani Rattan. And then um, uh, feel free to follow my personal Instagram, which is uh, Captain Cresswell, C-A-P-T, and then Cresswell, C-R-E-S-S-W-E-L-L. -S -S -E -L -L. Amazing. And I'll plug all that in the show notes so people don't need to 
know how to <laughs> spell Rianne Rattan or anything. I'll do all the work for you guys. So don't worry. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, Paul. It's been a pleasure. I'm so glad we could connect. I know our time difference is a little bit easier now with you in Hawaii and, and me on Eastern Standard Time. So we could connect pretty easily this time. So I really appreciate your time. I really enjoyed it, Rebecca. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to See the World Differently. Until next time, keep daydreaming.